Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job encourages us to keep walking in our faith. Listen, some of you are walking in obedience to God right now, and you're walking down a path, and you feel like the world is looking at you like people don't understand. You barely understand why God has called you to do it that way, but you're walking in faith and trust and obedience, knowing that in the end, God is the one that you're trusting. Keep walking. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today we continue a short series about what it takes to awaken our faith. You know, sometimes when our circumstances don't look good or they simply don't seem to change, we can feel cut off from God and our faith can go numb. But it's in those times when we feel blind to what God is up to that we need even more trust and patience for what He has planned. It's a step-by-step process, walking forward in faith, and we're discovering how to take these bold steps as we continue a message from Mark Job titled, Awaken Your Faith. In part one of our lesson, Mark explained how even when we can't see God, God sees us. We were reminded that God knows our past, present, and future. And continuing now to his next point of the lesson, here's Mark Job with today's Bold Steps. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 23, he also uses spit in the healing of someone. Some scholars say, well, maybe it was because in the very creation, beginning of creation, the Bible says that God created man out of what? Out of dust. It's symbolic of just the the earthiness, the dust. And in the beginning, he did not spit into the dust. He what? He breathed into the dust. God is taking the dust, the earth, creating something out of it, and it calls him the potter. God is the potter, and we are the clay. He creates life out of nothing, and then he breathes into it, and man becomes a living being. Why? Because he breathes in the power of God. He breathes in the Holy Spirit. He breathes humanity into them. And years later, now he's not breathing But he's spitting into that same dust, saying the very breath that gave you life, now the essence of me spit on you heals that which I created. Other scholars believe that Jesus did it because Jesus wanted to make sure that we did not depend on a formula. If every time that Jesus healed, he would touch someone on the forehead and say, be healed, then we would think that something about the formula was the magic. But Jesus healed a lot of different ways. Sometimes he touched someone. Sometimes he spoke to someone. Sometimes he spit. Sometimes he mixed the spit. Sometimes he wasn't even there and pronounced someone healed. Why? Because Jesus wants us to know that the power is not in the formula. The power is in the person. As the power of God releases healing, he can do it at a distance. He can do it in person. He can heal through a person, a pastor, an elder. He can heal in your basement. He can touch your life in a cathedral he can touch your life in an alley it doesn't matter God is not limited it's the power of God not the formula that transforms us Jesus spits makes mud with his saliva and puts it on the man's eyes and then he speaks to the man go wash in the pool of Siloam which means sent 
What's the pool of Siloam? Well, the pool of Siloam was a, a stream of water that went into Jerusalem, first built by King Hezekiah. It was an underground tunnel from a spring outside of the city walls to bring water safely into the city in case someone would surround the city, the people would still have water flowing in. It was a common pool built hundreds of years ago that I'm sure he had been to many times before. So it wasn't the water itself. It was the act that God asked him to do, that Jesus asked him to do, in which we find the power and lessons for our life. Because Jesus puts mud on this blind man's eyes, and then he says, go walk. I want you to picture this. Not only is he blind now, but he's a blind man walking with mud on his face to a pool in expectation that when he washes his face, something will happen. Have you ever felt like a blind man with mud on your face? Walking with other people looking? I imagine what this blind man felt. Little kids are saying, Mommy, what's he doing? Other people are saying, Man, don't be a fool. What are you doing? Just go wash your face. Don't let him make a fool of you. In his mind, he's thinking, I'm walking in obedience to Jesus with the expectation that power will be released at the right time. It may not make sense to me. People around me may think I'm a fool. Others may laugh at me. People may misunderstand me. But I'm walking in obedience to Jesus' word, believing, trusting him for the outcome. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're walking in obedience to Jesus and you're forgiving someone that you want to hate, that you want to curse, that you want to take vengeance on? And you're walking with mud on your face and people are saying, are you a fool? Are you going to forgive them again? Are you crazy? What are you doing? And you say, no, I know I got mud on my face. I know you think I'm a fool, but I'm walking in obedience, trusting that God is going to do something when I get there. I can't explain when. I don't know how. I can't explain it. I can't describe it, but I'm walking in obedience. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt as a single girl, you're saying, I'm walking in obedience and living in purity when all your friends are saying, are you crazy? Come on out, party with us. No, I'm walking in obedience. My body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I, I know that it seems crazy to you. I know it just seems crazy that I'm not partying with you, but I'm walking in obedience with mud on my face, believing that God at his right time will provide the right person and that God, God will open up the doors of power. You're walking in obedience and trusting God in ways that other people do not understand how you're trusting. Walking with mud on your face with other people thinking you're a fool, but yet you know Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. I'm talking to someone today that's walking with mud on their face. And it's hard. You know, the hardest thing about walking with mud on your face is that the miracle hasn't happened yet. And you feel a little bit like a fool in the process. 
So you're walking with your issue. Not solving your issue like most people solve your issue, but trusting God. And other people don't understand. And you're saying God is in control. I'm walking in obedience. I'm doing this because of God. And people say, well, you still have your issue. You say, I know I still have my issue, but I'm trusting God. I'm walking in obedience. Well, nothing's changed. I know nothing's changed, but I'm walking in obedience. Well, you're still blind. I know I'm blind, but I'm walking in obedience. Well, you still can't see. You're like all the rest. Yeah, I know I am, but I'm walking in obedience because faith is the expectation of a better future based on the promises of God, and we're trusting in God. Even though we don't see it, we believe it. Even though we haven't touched it, we know it. In our heart, we know that God is on the throne. If we could see it and touch it, it wouldn't be faith. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, some of you are walking in obedience to God right now and you're walking sort of that path of shame, of foolishness and you're walking down a path and you feel like the world is looking at you like people don't understand. You barely understand why you're doing it that way. You barely understand why God has called you to do it that way but you're walking in faith and trust and obedience knowing that in the end, God is the one that you're trusting. That's a hard place to be. But can I tell you, I'm just, this word is for you. Keep walking. Keep walking. Pastor, my friends don't understand. Keep walking. Pastor, my family doesn't understand. Keep walking. Pastor, it feels like it's been a long time. Keep walking. The Bible says that this blind man made his way and walked. He walked down to the pool of Siloam. It doesn't give us a lot of fanfare. Is that he got to the pool and he did what Jesus asked him to do. He washed his face. I wish it would have given us more detail because I, I want to know how it happened. I wish I could have had a camera because I want to see his expression. I wish it to describe the moment because it's been a lifetime of blindness. But it just says this. He washed and he came home seeing. There was a moment in time where he put water in his face. I can only imagine that for the very first time in his life as he washed his mud, his kids laughed at him, his people around watched him as a crowd gathered around. Maybe he put water on his face and for the first time he saw the blurriness of light. He put more water on his face and he saw the color of the, the, the ripples in the water in front of them. He put more water in his face and he looked up and for the first time saw the faces of human beings. He put more water on his face and suddenly he saw the clouds in the sky. Then he got up and he started looking around. He could barely recognize. It was a familiar smell and, and sound. But now for the first time in his life, he could see that which he only imagined. 
Can I tell you something? There's some of you here that have, been, that have been raised in places where you've never felt the powerful love, unconditional love. And for the first time in your life, when God breaks in, you experience what you only imagined before, what it means to be absolutely powerfully, uh, lavishly loved by someone unconditionally in your life. It breaks through your schemes. It opens up your eyes. It transforms you. It makes you in a different person when finally the love of God breaks through and finally whatever you've been blind about whatever you've not known some of you wash and say I know who I am now I have an identity for the first time in your life I'm forgiven and I've always felt dirty but for the first time in my life I'm clean and I can worship God with spirit and in truth hey God breaks through the blindness and for the first time we don't have to imagine we experience. And you're listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Before we get to the final part of today's message, though, Mark, I want to take a moment and look over today's edition of the Bold Stepper Weekly, which many listeners got in their email box this morning. If you've already signed up, you know each Monday morning, Mark sends out this special email devotional. And today was a fun one, Mark. Yeah, it was. And uh, just a reminder, if you don't know what the Bold Stepper Weekly is, it's an email that comes out to you, as Wayne said. We have the Bold Steps Minute, which is a recording that you can tap into as Mm -hmm. well. It's just a way for us to encourage you. Uh, But this past week, I talked about a recent trip to speak at Dallas Theological Seminary. A special moment for you, wasn't it? It was, because the couple that did the premarital counseling for D&I years ago... Uh, were there, and they're just such a, such a great couple with so much wisdom and insight, still alive, still loving Jesus, still married. And, um, you know, I talk a little bit about the, the power of mentoring. Well, that was in today's Bold Stepper Weekly. If you'd like to get next Monday's edition and each edition thereafter, sign up at boldstepsradio.org. And you'll also see this month's special Bold Step gift, which you'll hear more about later in the program. All right, continuing with our lesson in John chapter 9 about the blind man who Jesus healed, here again is Mark. The message, Awaken Your Faith. This man makes his way home, and I don't have time to get into all the passage of what happens when he makes his way home, but you know that sometimes when God does stuff in our life, not everybody understands. It's not a victory lap here. He's shouting and celebrating but the neighbors don't understand the Pharisees condemn his parents are afraid the disciples judge but what he knows is once I was blind but now I see you see not only does he see you not only does he know you not only does he challenge you but he also releases his power To awaken your faith. What strikes me about this passage is that later on, Jesus circles back to the man that was born blind. I don't know if it's a couple days later or how long, but he circles back, and now this man has been walking a little bit with his sight. In verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, they'd thrown him out of the synagogue. Hey, when God does a work in your life, I just want to reiterate this. The disciples were blinded by judgment. 
They thought it was his sin or his parents' sin. The neighbors were blinded by skepticism. It says they didn't believe that it was actually this man that was healed. They thought it was someone that looks like him. Maybe he had a twin that we never knew about. Maybe his cousin that resembles him. It cannot be him. The Pharisees were blinded by legalism. The fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they just couldn't get over the fact that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And so they kept saying, it can't be of God if you were healed on the Sabbath. Legalism blinds you so much that you cannot see the works of God. Can I tell you something? Because I have people that come in and tell me, Pastor, or they call me sometimes Father, love the Mass. And they'll say to me, the tradition that they grew up in. And they say, I sense God in this place. I experience God in this place. But then they say, but, but I don't know if I can come here because I grew up in this tradition and, 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 and you know, it's not the same and I'm from a different religion and, and I don't know if I can be here uh, because, you know, I'm, my family doesn't understand. My neighbors aren't going to want to say because I grew up some way. I don't know if I should be here. I want to say, Really? Seriously? Because I can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I don't hear Baptist, Assembly of God, Pentecostal, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic, or New Life. What I hear is a relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that transforms us from the inside out. And it doesn't matter what label you put on it, what brand you put on it. This is about a relationship with the living God, not about a brand of religion that you embrace. The Pharisees were so bound to their brand that they could not recognize God when He walked among them. God forbid that he can't do a work in your life because you're so bound by a brand that you can't experience the presence of the living God. And so my, my final point is this. Listen, he releases power to awaken our faith. Listen what happens. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the synagogue. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Jesus' favorite label for himself was the son of man. The Son of Man referred to the fact that He was God and all man. And the blind man said, who was no longer blind, Who is He? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in Him. And Jesus said, You have now seen Him. In fact, He's the one that's speaking with you. Let me pause for a second and say this. The fact that you've received a miracle in your life doesn't make you necessarily a follower of Jesus. Do you know that God can do a miracle of healing and you can walk away being grateful but not really knowing Him? Do you know that you can come to this church and experience the byproduct of a family of God and a community of healing? That you can come to this place and have your addiction broken and thank God for the ministry of this place and celebrate recovery and the fact that you have six months of sobriety and yet not know the one who really ultimately brings you your sobriety? Do you realize that your marriage can be healed and your divorce can be 
put on hold and there could be hope and forgiveness that comes in and you're very grateful for the people around you that have walked beside you and helped you out but you could not sometimes not know that it's the God behind all of this that really matters that it's the presence of God you can experience the miracle without knowing personally the one who the miracle came from this man was blind and now he saw but he didn't know the Savior you can experience the splash effect without really knowing the one that brought it about. And if you hang out with the people of God long enough, you'll experience parts of the presence of God. And some of you are here saying, man, I love this place. They accept me. They love me. I found some good friends. They're positive. They know, they know me. And you say, what a great place to be. And you may invite other friends and say, you know, check it out. It's a really good place. I'm so grateful that I found a new church. But let me tell you the difference here. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. There's a distinct line that you cross when you go from gratitude to worship. I opened a door for, you know, my mom taught me, you open the door for ladies, so I opened the door. Don't be offended. Some of you are saying, Pat, I can open my own door. And when I open the door, women say, thank you. There's a big difference between gratitude and worship. We're grateful for people that help us. Thank you. We show gratitude when people have made the quality of our life better. But worship, surrendered worship, that belongs to the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. When you go from gratitude to worship where you come with absolute abandon and you worship the King of kings and you bow before Him and you surrender, that's because you know Him, not just because you've been touched by Him. That's because you worship Him and He connects with you and your heart has been surrendered. You're not just grateful, you're a worshiper. You're, there's a difference, there's a line that you cross when you go from gratitude to worship. And you know what? This man finally, when he was healed, he was grateful. When he believed, he worshiped. Yeah, and so I hope that as God is awakening some of your faith, that you would go beyond just being a merely grateful individual. So many people give platitudes of gratitude to God. Mm -hmm. But if you know him, you go way beyond that. You go to being a worshiper, a surrendered worshiper of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray that as we approach this um, holiday season, this Christmas season, especially as we focus on the incarnation, the coming of Jesus, that your heart would be not just grateful, but a worshipful. That's wonderful. Thank you, Mark. And while I have you at the mic, let me uh, ask you about this month's Bold Step gift, because it is a Christmas devotional. Time is growing short before Christmas, and we'd love our listeners to get a copy of this ahead of time and use it to prepare hearts for Christmas. You know, Wayne, a lot of us struggle on how to make this time meaningful. We do. Leading up to Christmas, there's so much busyness and lights and distraction. And I know that as believers in Jesus, many of us say, well, we want to make this more meaningful. I got the exact gift you need to make it meaningful. <laughs> it's our bold step gift. It's our bold step gift. It's called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. 
the author is Asherita Chuchu, and she does a phenomenal job in taking the names of Jesus and unpacking them in this very small book that is um, just a great decorative book as well that could be put on a coffee table. It's well designed, but it's an Advent devotional to help us get in the mode of making the most of this time leading up to Christmas. I love the concept. I really do. Uh, For instance, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the son of righteousness, and she deals with these devotionally, so this really can guide us through this Christmas season uh, and go deeper with Christ. So with daily prayers and reflections and talking points and activity plans, even for the family, this is a resource that can become a family tradition. That's right. So I would challenge you to uh, give a gift of any amount, ask for this book, and uh, as we lead up to Christmas, I want to challenge you just to take one day at a time with a different name of Jesus and meditate on it a bit and say, Jesus, you're more than the Messiah. You are the Messiah, but you're also the Word, the Truth, the Lion of Judah, the Holy One of God, the Lord of Lords, so much in the name Beautiful. of Jesus. Yeah. Actually, the title of the book is Unwrapping the Names of Jesus, and it is our Bold Step gift. So give a financial gift of any amount, as Mark said, and support Bold Step. And you'll receive a copy of Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. But do it quickly because, as we said, Christmas is drawing ever closer. Go to boldstepsradio.org to give your gift or call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. And, of course, you can always write to us and send your donation in the mail and ask for Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. Write to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thank you, Mark. That brings us to the end of our program. But make plans to join us tomorrow for the message on the power of a second chance. It's the next lesson in our series, Awaken Your Faith, coming up Tuesday right here on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.